Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Trasetta from Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group. And I'm Peter Bagshaw, GP and Commissioning Group Mental Health Lead. And we're really pleased to, rec- to welcome our guest today, Carolyn Smith, uh, also from Somerset. And we're going to be talking about yoga and mental health. So welcome, Carolyn. And could you tell us your professional background and how that feeds into yoga and mental health? Yes, sure. So my background is working uh, within mental health services, primarily within the NHS and quite a lot of those years based in Somerset, probably about 17, 18 years based in uh, based in Somerset. And um, I I started off um, when I came to Somerset managing various teams, working as a mental health social worker as well. And uh, ended up, um, gosh, probably about five, six years ago, uh, managing mental health uh, social care uh, for the county council. And along my journey, um, I was in obviously very uh, busy, stressful roles. Um, As much as I loved them and they gave me lots of energy, they were quite stressful roles. And it was during that time that I rediscovered yoga and it made a massive difference to to how I managed the level of stress. Um, And so I started having ideas about could I potentially combine yoga and mental health? And then I took the huge step um, of uh, stepping down from uh, from my role and uh, setting up on my own where I combine yoga and mental health. So a lot of people I think will have the idea of yoga as being putting your limbs in impossibly uh, flexible ways. Can, can you uh, dispel some of those myths for our listeners? <laughs> Indeed. I mean, there are certainly lots of images out there, particularly on social media, for instance, of people who are in impossible looking poses, you know, leg behind the head and handstands or all of those types of poses. And actually, yoga is not really about that at all. It's all about the mind. So people of any age can do yoga. Um, And even if you're lying in bed, it's possible to do yoga because it is about the mind. So it's it's very different. I think a lot of people, when they get in touch with me for the first time or come to a class for the first time, say, I'm not very flexible. And that doesn't matter. I mean, yoga will make you a little bit more flexible. But it's not just flexibility of the body. I'm much more interested in flexibility of the mind and finding more peace, calm and harmony, which it does sound potentially a little bit woo-woo or could be interpreted that way. And um, when I was uh, back working in mental health services, I came very much from an evidence-based perspective. And it's only really through my own experiences and actually seeing the transformations that lots of my students have made and other people um, through yoga that I came to realise, actually, there is there is um, some, some real evidence behind this, experiential evidence. And of course, there's more, more scientific, shall we say, evidence that's out there now, an ever-increasing amount. Thanks, Carolyn. So uh, I'm just looking at my very old dictionary here, and it says that uh, yoga is a Hindu system of philosophic meditation uh, designed to effect the reunion of the practitioner's soul with the universal spirit. And I think you've sort of hinted at that. But um, So it's helping get mind and body and spirit in alignment. But 
is there just one type of yoga? Is it lots of different sorts? Please, could you explain for us? There's lots of different types of yoga, from really energetic, athletic yoga to very calm yoga. And meditation is actually meditation is the goal of yoga traditionally. Um, but meditation, breath work, that is all part of yoga. And while there are um, influences from um, Hinduism, um, you know, there's also alignment with um, some of the concepts from Buddhism as well. It's a practice that can be practiced by absolutely anybody, um, irrespective of whether um, people have religious beliefs or not. You know, thinking about, for instance, harmony with the natural world, you know, can use our own beliefs within within yoga. So it isn't a religion. And that is um, sometimes a myth that, uh, that people hold. And you've mentioned that it's useful in helping people with mental health issues. Um, are there any particular types of people that it's more useful for people with anxiety, depression? What, what, what sort of things is it most helpful for? So I, I work a lot with people with anxiety, depression, and also people experiencing stress and burnout. Um, the, the type of yoga is really important because it's, um, it, it can be either too stimulating or not stimulating enough. So just going back to the types of yoga as well. So if I'm working with people with anxiety who are finding that it's, it's very difficult to, to calm, to settle, going straight to meditation would be incredibly difficult. It's just too much of a gap to come to come uh, to to um, come through. Uh, so something reasonably energetic, which doesn't necessarily involve handstands or anything like that, nothing particularly, um, you know, no pretzel type poses, but something where at least we're moving, we're getting warm, that can be really helpful for anxiety and then moving to much calmer yoga. And if somebody is feeling very stressed, then starting with the karma yoga is, is really, really, really helpful because we're constantly working with the nervous system. So I know both Andrew and Peter, you'll be very familiar with the ideas, um, the concepts, fight, flight and freeze. And if we're stressed or anxious, we're in that fight, flight, freeze state, which I believe you've probably talked about on previous podcasts. So could, if, uh, if anyone's listening, not familiar, I won't go into the, the details there. But um, when, when we're experiencing fight and flight, then we've got all those physiological changes that are happening. Our heart's racing faster. Um, our breath is much shallower. And if we do calming techniques, so breathing low down into the belly, for instance, it's the total opposite to how we breathe in fight and flight. And it only takes a few minutes to start to calm things down. When we become stressed and anxious, signals rush to the brain ever so quickly um, to keep us safe. It takes a little bit longer when we want to calm down. Three to five minutes of breathing into the belly can make a huge difference. And a lot of people who are very anxious will say, well, I just can't focus on these things. I've, I've got all these thoughts flying around in my head. How, how does yoga help to counter that? So initially, the physical poses can be really helpful here. And initially, there's a lot of attention on where am I going to put my body? Where do I need to put my arm or my leg? So the focus is going away from the mind into the body. So initially, 
where do I put everything? My goodness, there's a lot going on here and I've got to focus on my breathing as well. But, but as practice progresses, so people who've been practicing for longer start to notice much more subtle things like sensations in the body um, so not pain but those sensations where you can feel a muscle is being stretched for instance and that as well helps to keep us or to take us into the body rather than being in a spin in in our minds and um, there's also the use of mantras a lovely um, old saying and um, it's an Indian saying and it's to to remove a thorn you use another thorn and with mantra, which can be, you know, they can be traditional um, words from yoga, but they can also be something else as well. By, by repeating a particular mantra, we replace thoughts with something else. That can be incredibly helpful. The other thing to say as well is that I like to think of the mind as being a bit like a muscle. So if we were to, say, go to the gym and do some weight training, then we can get our muscles to be stronger. And it's the same with the brain. We can train the brain. So if we keep bringing our attention back in our yoga practice to what's happening in, in the body, the sensations or the breath, keep following the breath, noticing when we've got a thought, knowing that's really normal because thoughts, thinking, that's what the brain does. Keep bringing the focus back to the breath or the body. The mind over time slowly begins to be trained and become quieter. And the brain is never totally, totally quiet. We're, we're always thinking, but we can certainly make some big differences when it gets easier with practice. That's really interesting, Carolyn, and certainly something I can relate to. So I've tried things like meditation and, and find that my, my brain just flies off in a hundred different directions. Um, but I'm also a black belt in karate. And if you do it after an hour and a half uh, workout where you're focusing just on the physical things, then your your brain is is finds it much easier to be still. So I guess that's what yoga is doing, is it? It's preparing your brain. It's preparing your brain, and you become absorbed in what you're doing. I guess in a similar way to somebody who loves doing artwork, for instance, you know, can be can be really absorbed in what they're doing, and the mind really focuses on that thing. So. Yeah, ab absolutely the same, that absorption in the activity, the so doing. We're back to this idea of mindfulness and being in the moment and also flow happiness, which is, I, I think, something we haven't described, Andrew, but it's it's one of the odd forms of happiness, isn't it, where you're sort of at the edge of what you can do and that actually makes us incredibly happy. Interesting. Uh, it's... I think we can talk more about life both now, but also in another session. And I suppose I had a question for Carolyn, which is, do you have a favourite type of yoga? And does everybody have a favourite type of yoga or uh, should everybody do lots of different sorts? It's a really interesting question. Um, I when, when I first started out with yoga, I was really keen to follow a particular school of yoga. And I've moved around between different schools, different approaches over, over time. And actually what I've realised is that I need something much more bespoke. Um, so I, I practice yoga depending on how I'm feeling. 
So if I am really busy and maybe feeling a little bit wired, because although I practice yoga a lot, I still get those, you know, those shifts in how I'm feeling. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't stop that at all. So if I'm feeling wired, busy, um, maybe my brain is uh, is on overdrive, then for me doing really chilled, calming yoga works. And on other days, I feel like I really need to move. Um, And so so I adapt. I adapt the practice. And you've touched on something really important there. So we've discussed uh, in the series different ways of relaxing and calming ourselves. Um, but the, the tricky bit is carrying that into our busy everyday lives or, or our, our not so busy everyday lives uh, as things are at the moment. Do you have tips on how you can use the things that you do during yoga and take those into other parts of your life? Absolutely. I mean, breathing, that's probably the best example because, you know, it's with us all the time, isn't it? Um, Really, really portable. And I'll let you into a little secret here. So when I was still doing my my previous jobs, if ever I was in a meeting and I might have been feeling a little bit stressed or anxious, there was a lot of pressure, I would sit and breathe actually in the meeting, breathing down into my belly. And nobody could see, nobody had a clue what I was doing, but it was a way of being able to to calm and to balance. And I've used that in all sorts of circumstances. So the most portable tool that we've got, I think. Carolyn, that's fascinating. We've been in meetings together and you've always come across incredibly calm and a very good chair and managing the flows of things and all sorts of all sorts of facts and uh, and concepts. So there we are. Interesting secret. You practice what you preach. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know what what I teach, it comes from my own practice. Um, I explore different things um, in my own practice. So, yeah, that's how I learn. That's how I keep things fresh. I'm learning new things all the time. So That's great. So I'm just wondering if for our listeners, for those who aren't driving or using heavy machinery at this moment, if, Carolyn, if you'd like to, if there's something we can do down the airwaves through the podcast of just a, a 30 second or, or one minute practice to, to talk us through something that might help us if we're feeling busy or buzzy. Well, shall we shall we focus on the breath? Let's uh, let's do a short breathing practice. So I recommend sitting nice and tall if you can and placing the feet on the ground. If we slouch down, there's not so much space for our lungs to expand and then placing the hands really low down on the belly. So under the belly button, nice, just soft, soft placement of the hands. And maybe you might like to close your eyes or just take a soft gaze at nothing in particular and start by just being aware of the breath and noticing where it is, whether it's in the chest, low down or somewhere in between. Often it's quite hard not to change how we breathe when we first start to tune into it. And then see if you can send your breath down to your hands. So as you inhale, feeling the tummy rising towards the hands. And then on the exhale, feel the tummy just dropping back. And keeping the breath, if you can, really gentle. If you slow, slow breaths. 
And it may be if the breath is quite high up in the chest or it feels like it's even up in the throat, you may want to force to push it down. So I'm trying to back away from all of that. Just giving time, encouraging the breath down lower and lower. And maybe slowing the breath down, a bit like teasing the breath apart. And taking the attention into the body can help to take that focus away. We get the attention from our heads into the body. Let's take just another two or three breaths here. Nice and slow and gentle. There's no need for big intakes of breath here. You might even notice a little pause at the end of each exhalation. See if you can soften the jaw. The teeth may be a little apart. Breathing through the nostrils. And then slowly start to become aware of your surroundings. You might want to give the fingers and the toes a little wiggle. And when you're ready, opening the eyes or lifting the gaze. Um, I love making links. And what you've just taken us through is almost identical to what somebody would go through as part of a hypnotherapy session or a meditation session or a creative visualized session, isn't it? And, and that's been shown to actually change the brain waves. So is that is that what you're trying to do? Is Well, the, the, the perspective I'm coming from is very much about the nervous system when, when I'm focusing on breathing to calm that. But yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, particularly with meditation, there's been a huge amount of uh, um, knowledge gained about how it changes the brain waves. And there's a particular form um, of yoga that I teach, yoga nidra, which most of my students, it's probably their favourite, actually, because they get to lie down in a blanket, wrap themselves up. We start with breathing and there's visualisations and you can come to almost like a meditative state through that. So um, one, one lady, once um, she had a Fitbit on, um, or one, you know, one of those watches where it looks at her heart rate, and um, it was fascinating. She showed me how her heart rate decreased hugely during the practice. So it was really interesting. Fascinating. I, Carolyn, that was an amazing experience. And I, I don't know whether you sort of cast a spell, but I am almost spellbound that I can hardly say anything because I feel very calm, very relaxed, and my backside feels very strong on the chair and my feet feel very solid in the ground in a way that is, I won't say it's foreign to me, but it's not my usual buzzy, busy state. So thank you for taking us through that. And if people want to find out more about yoga, maybe take up classes if they've not think, thought about it before, are there professional organisations? How, how should people go about finding what's right for them? So um, there's Yoga Alliance and there's Yoga Alliance Professionals. And both of those organisations have um, yoga teachers that have uh, done the training and are insured that, um, that are listed. So that, that's a really good way to start. Um, and I think also finding out a little bit about the different types of yoga. And so much is finding a teacher that really resonates with you because 
you know, we're all different. We all come from a different place. And so, Carolyn, how might people find you if, if they wanted to find out about your 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 teaching? Okay, well, um, I'm on social media, so um, I've got a Facebook page and um, Twitter account as well. Um, but um, you can just Google me. So um, I go under the name Carolyn Smith Yoga and Mental Health because I couldn't think of anything any more snappy than that. So, uh, uh, but just Googling Carolyn Smith Yoga and Mental Health and they'll find me. And I'm really happy if people have questions as well for people to email me and, um, you know, happy to try and point people in the right direction to get started. And if people are worried about cost, is, is it expensive doing yoga? Do you need special equipment? Do you need proper leotards and mats and things like that? Leotards? <laughs> You don't need any lycra at all. <laughs> um, you can wear lycra, but um, most people don't. Most people wear really comfortable clothes unless they're doing really energetic yoga where, you know, they need to move a lot. But um, just comfortable clothes, tracksuit bottoms and a T-shirt work, work absolutely fine. Um, a yoga mat is useful. Um, but it's not essential. You know, you just need a floor that's, um, you know, carpet sometimes can be a bit slippy on the hands if you're doing yoga that includes downward dogs, like carpet burns, which wouldn't be good. But yoga mats, they're, they're really uh, quite cheap for just a basic one, you know, under £10. And yoga, there's a lot of, I mean, there's lots of free yoga um, on YouTube, for instance. Um, but I, I, there's quite a lot of people who talk about feeling quite overwhelmed, not knowing where to start. You know, there's just so much on there. And I think finding a teacher, building that relationship, because yoga as well is about connection. You know, it's connection to yourself, connection to hopefully a community as well. Um, so even though I'm working online at the moment, the whole sense of community is really important. People talking to each other. Um, so, yeah, there's there's lots of options um, and there's low cost options, too. I'm so glad you mentioned working online because I've 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 done a little yoga in the last 18 months and it's been really very interesting and transformational at times. But I've only ever been to a class. How does and I've, I've not sort of dip my toes into the water of going online how 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 does it work online and how is it different from being in the same room as as your teacher in the class it's really interesting that you ask that because um i went online very very quickly back in march 2020 because of necessity and i was very very skeptical um and really didn't think i'd be able to get the connection with with the people that um, that that i was um sharing the practice with and so I, I teach on Zoom and people can have their cameras on so I can see them and give feedback. But there's no requirement for that. For some people, it's really difficult to, you know, to, to put the camera on, particularly if somebody is feeling very anxious. So it's, it's individual um, if people want to have their cameras on or not. Um, I've been amazed, though, how much sense of community that we have got. So we always stay online for a few minutes afterwards to have a conversation. And uh, then once a week, it's our Saturday morning regular session where we talk about a topic um, that relates to life. We weave some yoga philosophy in there, some of the wisdom uh, from yoga philosophy, which links with modern psychology. Um, and, and we talk and we connect. So 
Uh, yeah, I've been really amazed at the level of connection that's possible. Never thought I would teach online. wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, but um, I, I talked to a group of my um, students fairly recently and uh, lots of them have said, actually, you know, would really like to continue online even when we can uh, do yoga face to face again. So I will probably be doing both. You've dispelled a lot of myths for us today. I have to ask one question. Yogic flying. <laughs> Yogic flying. <laughs> I certainly don't do that, Peter. <laughs> is, it, is, it a, is it a a hoax? Is it a myth? I reckon so. I yeah. reckon so. Yeah, there's some interesting accounts. And uh, I, I was told about um, people doing it um, a while ago, actually. Um, and can't remember many of the details, but they're actually bouncing on some sort of inflatable thing. And the video sort of made it look like they were flying, but they were actually bouncing. It's like a bouncy castle sort of floor. <laughs> so, no, I can't teach people to fly, sadly. So it sounds as though yoga means connection. It means connection to ourself, to the breath, to mind, body and spirit, connection to others in our practice and, and through our awareness of, of what's going on in the world. And it sounds as though it's it's good for our emotional well-being and mental health. And is there anything else you'd like to add, Carolyn? Well, it's really good for our emotional well-being and mental health in terms of obviously the calming that we've already talked about, being able to, to slow thoughts down and focus, but also in terms of our emotions, because um, I think there is such a tendency to push emotions down. You know, often when we're busy as well, you know, we just don't have time to attend to our emotional well-being and uh, and those feelings that are coming up that start shouting louder if we don't pay attention to them. In the stillness that we find within yoga, it can actually be a really nice way in, particularly if emotions feel challenging and frightening, to start to notice the sensations in the body and then to start to notice feelings what is present not trying to do anything with them but just noticing and I guess as well also the way we practice yoga typically I certainly found this mirrors how we live our lives when I first um, got back into yoga um, I was pushing really hard I was wanting to do everything perfect because another little secret here I am a bit of a perfectionist and uh, so I wanted my yoga practice to be like that and you know, realized that that wasn't very helpful. So I started to change things on the yoga mat and try and soften and not put as much pressure on. My practice opened up. It felt different. And it's almost like by process of osmosis. That's actually seeped into my day-to-day -day life as well. So those things that we learn on the mat, it's almost like a little bit of a laboratory, I think, where we can try things out in a safe way. And those that learning can then seep out into day-to-day -day life. I think you've convinced us that it's not woo-woo, uh, to use your initial phrase, uh, but it, it is for everybody. And I hope that at least some of our listeners give this a try. It sounds as though everybody can benefit and just be open-minded and try it with, is what I've taken away. Absolutely, absolutely. Anybody can do yoga. Everybody can do yoga. And um, I guess if that's one myth that I would like to dispel, that would be it. There is a way. It can even be practiced lying down, 
So, you know, and in bed. So, yeah, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Carolyn. Thank you very much. Nice to talk with you both. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.